This episode is proudly brought to you by Lululemon. Athleisure brand Lululemon and Movember proudly unite for the third year of their partnership to improve men's well-being through movement, mindfulness, and connection. Check out Lululemon's Movember product collection at lululemon.com.au. Welcome to episode 262 of the Inside Running Podcast. This week, we'll be reviewing the New York Marathon. Training talk is back, and we hear from Lululemon Ambassador Alex Bell. Moose is on annual leave, but fear not, I have a couple of superstars joining me tonight. My first co-host is a guy that used to appear quite regularly on the Inside Running Podcast. He won bronze at the 2019 Vic Country 10K Road Champs, is a 219 marathoner, but I'm confident that he'll lower his PB in Valencia on the 4th of December. Welcome to the CEO of Inside Running Podcast, Brady Trelfel. Oh, lovely to be here, Croaks, and thanks for the introduction. Good to be on this side of the mic. Don't know about filling in for Moose, big shoes to fill here, but I'm happy to be here. And I'm not sure about two superstars, one superstar and one maybe fringe Bendigo Bat athlete just trying to get a run in our Divi 1 team. Well, I figured most people wouldn't know, well, they knew Moose wasn't going to be here. And they're like, oh, I wonder who we're filling in for Moose. But um, I'm the one that's nervous, Brady, because... You're the host of this show. You're the boss. And I feel like, you know, when the principal walks into your classroom and you're teaching, the boss is like looking over your shoulder. That's how I feel tonight. Yeah, well, I'm actually quite nervous as well because I have no, like, organisation of what we're talking about tonight. I'm going to have to put in a few more of my opinions than usual because usually I just ask you and Moose to talk. So I'm nervous as well, but I think you've been doing a good job, Croach. You've been handling the show pretty well. Moose has been lacking a bit of gusto, but I think you've been doing pretty well. So um, me and our other big name host are here to get the download numbers back up this week. All right. Well, let's introduce the real superstar of this week's show. She's the Melbourne Marathon course record holder, Australia's fifth fastest marathoner of all time, has three top eight finishes at World Marathon Majors and finished 10th at last year's Olympics. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Sinead Diver. Thanks, guys. How's it going? Good, well, good. Thanks, Sinead. Good. Been a long, been a long time since we um, spoke to you. We said off air that like Brady and I saw you down in Launceston, and we did record an interview, but that never went to uh, went to air. So yeah, I think the last time you were on the show was probably just after the Olympics. So we've got a fair bit to catch up on. Yeah, so that was yeah when I was in quarantine in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. so. Let's maybe just start with, like, how would you rate this year? Like, you've sort of had a few ups and downs. Like, what what sort of grade would you give yourself for this year? Yeah, this year for me hasn't been a great one, uh, to be honest. I um, started off kind of struggling at the start of the year with training. wasn't going that well. But then <clears throat> I picked up really well for just before Nagoya training was going so well and then unfortunately DNF'd at Nagoya so that was my first DNF and not a good result and then 
But I bounced back from that and ran Giffy Marathon, or Half Marathon, sorry, and that was probably one of my better races. Um, but I 60, think that's 69, where, yeah, 69 flat there. Yeah, and that's where my peak, my year peaked, really. <laughs> After that, it kind of went downhill. Um, I got, like, the flu and COVID before Com Games, and that was all, and an injury. So that was not the best um, lead-in to, like, a major event. Um, but since then, uh, back training uh, for a marathon again, and training's been going really well. So I'm hopeful that uh, you know the second half or the last, the end of this year will be better than how it started out. Mm. So how was your Com Games like? Other than the race, like how was your Com Games experience? Because that was your first Com Games team. Yeah, like first long games team um, with Jess and Eloise, like I was really excited uh, to go to the Con Games and having it in Birmingham was cool. And I love St. Moritz and that was our staging camp pretty much before the, before the games. But um, as I said, with, when I got COVID and injured in St. Moritz, um, it just kind of turned into not such a great experience. Um, St. Rose is beautiful, but when you can't run there, it's really hard to be <laughs> to be mm-hmm. there. Um, so it wasn't the best experience, but then um, when, once we got to Birmingham and, you know, we were all kind of together, I started to enjoy it. And the race actually went better than I thought it was done. Um, so I was really proud of how I raced and ha- happy with my finish and everything. So uh, all in all, it was a, a, a good experience. Like I really enjoyed it, but what just inju- the lead-in was difficult. What injury did you have? Um, I had like a glute issue. Um, I'm not sure what it was. I got it. I thought it was uh, a tendon tear initially. Um, it was just something my glute just really tightened up every time I ran, um, so I couldn't do any faster stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, uh, I got it scanned and everything, and there was just a lot of fluid in the glute. Um, so they were like, you can run on it, but um, there's nothing really you can do rehab-wise or anything. Um, so I, I raced on it and was really sore after the race. Um, actually, I took anti-inflams, and that helped quite a bit, but uh, not enough. Um, but after the race, I took like, I tried to, to run for a few days, and it was getting worse and worse. So I just took a week off. We, we were actually, myself, Colin and the boys were going to Portugal for a holiday. So it was actually the perfect time to just can running for a bit. And yeah, after that, it just came good again. Uh, I think I had like a bit over a week off in the end. So uh, yeah, it was just an unfortunate timing for an injury. And I haven't had an injury for ages. It was just like, yeah, bad timing. Sinead, the um, championship experience at Com Games compared to Tokyo, like... You guys weren't really in the village at Tokyo. You're a bit north and kind of, it sounded very odd the way Ali kind of explained it on Road to Nowhere, I remember at the time. But how did the Com Games, you know, event village, I guess, um, compare to your experience at Tokyo? Yeah, that was, it was a lot different um, because we were all together and we had a lot much more freedom in Birmingham. Um, Like at, in Sapporo, we were pretty much like, not locked in our rooms but we were pretty much locked in the hotel and we didn't have anywhere else to hang out except in in our rooms um but I still really enjoyed the that experience I guess my first Olympics I was super excited to be there and um 
Com Games was really nice that we had all the um, other sports in the village as well. So it wasn't just athletics, like everyone was there. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was cool. And on from Sapporo, Tokyo Olympics, the 10th place, does the way you think about it change? Just when Croak said in the introduction again, I'm still just as blown away about you coming 10th at the Olympics as I was on the day. Like for you, the person who actually done it, does it get better or worse or like you don't think about it at all? Um, I don't really think about it. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't get, it definitely doesn't get worse. Yeah. Like I think it, it surprises me anytime I hear it because yeah. you can kind of almost, like at the time I, I realized what a, a, it was a big achievement and everything, but then you kind of forget about it and, don't really think about it anymore and then like when someone mentions it you kind of go mm. yeah that was me <laughs> that was actually that was like a really good you know achievement and that and yeah you do kind of forget about it a bit and how about like comparing say a tenth at the olympics because to to a fifth at new york like you know a world marathon major like how how do you stack those two up against each other oh i think i think tenth at the olympics is better um even though I know at the World Marathon Majors, like, they get such strong feels every year. Um, but still, the Olympics is special. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I think 10th there is better than 5th. Yeah, I agree. And Same. the reason why I think it's better is that it happens once every, well, generally every four years, and you have to perform on that day. Whereas if you stuff up a World Marathon Major, like there's another five of them that you can do throughout the year and then you can go back next year and, and make up for it. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Mm. Sinead, the back half of this year, we've kind of spoken about the, the start and the middle, but there's some big news coming out of the Sinead Diver Camp about a <laughs> marathon in four <laughs> weeks, one that I'm pretty yeah. excited about because I like the sound of this location. <laughs> yeah, so I have decided to do Valencia Marathon. Um which is one that I've always wanted to do. Um, so Ryan has done it before and she thought it was great. And uh, I did the half marathon there with Ellie in 2018 and we had a great time. So I'm super excited to go back. And yeah, it's cool that you boys are, you, you're going there, Brady and Christian. And yeah, because I think uh, Clarkie, Charlotte's boyfriend is going as well. So Charlotte and Clarkie will be there. Yeah, should be good. And the, de- the decision to do Valencia, I'm trying to think of, um, you know, Melbourne Track Club athletes tend to go for the, the London or the New York like you have in the past. But um, obviously there was an offer on the table from Valencia and that's the option you chose. Well, um, I'm trying to remember when I uh, decided on Valencia. Um, it was a while ago I asked Nick. I wanted to do a flat, fast course. Mm. Um, I just uh, had enough with, you know, hilly courses. And um, I had Valencia and a couple of others in mind. And Nick was like, well, I'll suss it out and see if I can get you in and stuff. Um, And yeah, Valencia came back. And uh, there was another option as well. I can't remember what it was. Maybe Chicago. But, um, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to do the Valencia Marathon. So. And it was kind of good timing as well because, you know, at the end of the year, December, I, after Com Games, I wasn't, with being injured and then recovery and everything, I didn't want to rush into something too soon again. Yeah, um, get that so extra I wanted time. to, 
yeah, I want to have a proper build up for for the next marathon. And I'm trying. Just to be th- careful that Brady doesn't steal your uh, drinks, Sinead, because he doesn't have oh. he doesn't have drinks. There's a big difference between me and Sinead Diver when we send our entries in, Croaks. We'll be doing it dirty. That's how Christian describes it on Road to Valencia. We'll be taking drinks off our friends on the side of the road. No elite tables for us. But anyway, back to oh, Sinead. Really? Yeah, that's right. We'll come, I'll come about 114th at Valencia, Sinead, so they're not worried about guys like me. But back to you. I want to know, um, this would be the first marathon mixed gender that you've done for a while? Yeah, To actually. be surrounded by the guys? Would it be Melbourne when mm. you had Stewie and Jack that year? Every well, other year is kind of like championship almost races. Yeah, I actually didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, it will be good to start at the same time as the men because, like, with London, New York, um, championship races, it's women only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have pacers, but they haven't confirmed, like, the pace groups yet. Um, so if if the pace that I want, if there isn't a group for that, like, hopefully there will be guys to, to run with anyway. Yeah, oh, there should be yeah. so much depth there. And before we go into your week, because I'm sure there's listeners that want to hear some meaty details about training, but can you give us a bit of a, a recap of the last maybe month, like some of the bigger sessions and how's training gone leading into this week that we're about to hear? Um, so the last couple of weeks, training's been a bit different, actually, because um, uh, I was telling you guys earlier, we had to move house, so that actually kind of impacted my training quite a bit because we did quite a lot of the moving myself ourselves Um, and also I was doing some heat training so um, that's kind of my weeks are a little bit different and then I had um, uh, Bernie 10k as well so leading into that was a little bit different but I mean I started actually I think I started I, I only started marathon training a few weeks ago hang on what am I in now? Let me see. Um, yeah, because although you do have the the extra four weeks than we just saw from Eloise and Jess, it's still a tight turnaround. Like it's still yeah. you're still going from a, a winter marathon to a or sorry a spring marathon to a um a summer one, aren't you? Yeah, like after oh yeah, so I was supposed to start this block earlier actually, but because of um, Melbourne Marathon, when I thought I had COVID and stuff. I, like I was sick that week, so Nick didn't let me start. I was supposed to start my, but he's probably mm. <laughs> probably right. Um, so I actually started on the week of the tenth of October. Um, so it's not that. Yeah, I feel like this is actually, even though I wanted to have a nice long build up, it is like probably a bit shorter than. It's not the twelve week block that I normally do. And reasons for the heat training, because I imagine Valencia is not, you know, typically super hot. Yeah, so I'm not doing it for heat adaptation, but I find that when I do a block of heat training, I it's almost like altitude training mm-hmm. for me. I get a bit fitter, uh, so that works well for me. So um, I just scheduled in um, two weeks of well, ten days of heat training after Bernie. And is that at VIS or? Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. they have a heat chamber there, and yeah, and then it actually. It wasn't ideal because then we had to move at the same time. But anyway, I had it booked in for then, so I just did it. All right. Well, do you want to take us through this last week, which will take us to four weeks before Valencia? Hey, on, Chris. She dodged the question. She didn't tell us any details about some big workouts she's already done leading into well, this. But we can... Oh. Come on, Sinead. Give us some... Give us some what, were the, okay. what, what were the three big ones leading into this? 
So um, our workouts are the same every like all the time for marathon build-ups. So we start with like uh, ten by ten by one k on, uh, sorry twenty by one k on, one k off. But I actually skipped that one because I wanted to get into some other longer reps. Um, so I started with the seven by two k, and then the following week I had Bernie. So I just did an eight k threshold on the Thursday instead of the next marathon session. And then the next week I had six by three k, and actually Joel uh, Tobin White helped me with that one, so he paced me for that, which was really good, because uh, we had it was really windy around Albert Park, so it was nice to have him pace me for that. And then this week, I our last week I had five by four k. Okay. Um, so that is actually Cokes. That was the session that you had helped me out with in Canberra before the Olympics. Yeah, so I did. Yes, that was the first one that I did with you, and that one I really, that one I struggled. I actually stopped as soon as we hit the half marathon, yeah. and then the, then the following week we did the four by five k, and I was a bit, I was a bit better for that one. Oh right, so yeah, I have that one next week. Yeah, okay. So um, we'll take us through Monday to Sunday, and then we'll hear about that uh, the five by four k. Yep. So um, Monday in the morning, I had an hour in the heat chamber. Um, so for the heat, the heat stuff, as I said, it's not for heat adaptations, just for like general fitness. So I just run easy in there. So it's about like 30 degrees and I run at maybe 13 kilometers per hour. So I just do the same thing every time. It's just one hour, 13 K. Um, I do it for like five days in a row, then have the weekend off and then five days in a row. Um, and that's it. So Monday evening, I was feeling a bit tired or oh, not because we were moving. I didn't run, do a second run. Uh, Tuesday in the morning, I was at the tan with the group and we did three by a mile, um, eight by 500. And the miles were in like 508s and the 500s are about um, 90 seconds. Um, Tuesday evening, I had an hour in the heat chamber. So that was just 13K um, easy. Um, Wednesday morning I have my longer run so I did 30 minutes before the heat chamber um, and then an hour in there um, Thursday another hour in the heat chamber and I didn't do a second run and then so that brings me to Friday which was the 5 by 4k with two minute recovery um, so I did 22.6k all up and average pace was 320 um, so the reps were like around 318 per K mm -hmm. and the floats at 345 roughly. That's good. Um, no, that's that's quicker than what we did in Canberra that time. Yeah, it's, it's probably better weather. Um, I think it was windy that day, was it? Or was it? Oh, this, the... It was windier for the sec for the four by five K. But for this one, we were yeah, like 318s to 320s for the reps. But the um, the two minutes were more like four minute k's where it sounds like you're sort of rolling those more like 345s now yeah um carlos was with me on the bike for this one uh yeah it felt good on friday and then friday evening had an hour in the heat chamber um that was it then for heat training so saturday was just an easy 14k outside which was nice um in the morning and then 30 minutes easy in the evening and then yesterday I did a two and a half hour run. It was actually quite warm in Melbourne yesterday. Um, and I didn't realize that it was going to be warm. I started a bit late, <laughs> later than 
I would have if I had looked at the weather. Uh, but anyway, I did 38k, and that was at around um, 3.56 average. What a week. How many k's was that in total? Oh, total k's. Let's see that one sec. I, I love that about... you don't know it as well. Like you're just like, yeah. going to smash as many k's as possible. And then <laughs> I'll, I'll add it up when someone asks me. Uh, I think it was 190. Wow. That yeah. is that's some impressive training. So just go back to that Friday. Was it 5 by 4k and you're working at 318 pace? Mm. Yeah. So where does the 318 come from? Like are you guys working on a bit quicker than marathon pace or what feels like a nice pace on the day? Or like, I'm just going to know because there'll be so many listeners like, where does she pull the 318 from? Yeah. So um, I was trying to aim for around 320-ish, give or take like a few seconds either side. And then I just run by, I just go by how I'm feeling. Yeah. So if it was... 320s or 322s or 24s that what that would have been fine it's just uh 318s felt good on friday shane do you have the um data up there for that session can you tell us what you went through the half marathon in because you would have basically gone through in 70 70 minutes for the half if you're running averaging 320s for the session um because three 320s is just over 220 marathon pace, isn't it? I think 319s is right on 21959. And then, sorry, and then I know you're trying to work that at the same time, but then that evening you did an hour (laughs) in the heat chamber on the treadmill. Yeah. That's a great day of training. Mm. What do you Um, do? You watch stuff on the iPad? Yeah. What are you watching? So I was actually watching the block. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All the teachers at school were um, talking about that today. Controversial, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, I don't know if you guys have watched it or not, but only one, one, one of the groups made any money, really, after 12 weeks of work. <laughs> yeah, and that, that one house was one and a half million profit, yeah. and then the others made nothing. <laughs> made nothing. It was just, yeah, two of them didn't sell. One of them only made, like, 20K or something. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. So you got that half marathon split, Sinead? Uh, so um, I'm on Strava. It doesn't do cumulative, though. So how do I... Well, it's actually it will, it, it's actually more impressive than a 70-minute half because you've done how many kilometres? 20... Oh, sorry. So I thought it was 22.6, but oh, it's 22. 22.15. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very good. So if you had to say like four weeks out from Valencia versus four weeks out from the Olympics, how does the shape compare? Um, hmm, I would say quite similar, even though like I think this was a particularly good session for me on Friday. Um, but I remember before the Olympics, I had this session felt really good. And I remember the following week not feeling as good. Mm, yeah. So, um yeah, you can't really tell from one session, but I'm definitely um, improving each week and I'm happy with where I'm at. I remember before the Olympics, I think I overdid it a little bit um, with heat training and stuff in cans, and I had like quite a bit of a dip for a week or so. So I'm going to try and avoid <laughs> avoid that this time and just be a bit smarter with training. And Colas doesn't run with you anymore? Because uh, in Canberra, he's doing uh, a fair few of the sessions uh, on foot. Yeah, no, he's on the bike uh, these days. 
yeah, I think I'll have Dual again next week, which would be great. Um, the Australian record, Sinead, 222.36. Is that what we're aiming for at Valencia? Cool weather, flat course, plenty of pacemakers <laughs> around. You're going to a fast course for a reason. Is that that got to be on the radar, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, it would be amazing if it, like, oh, I don't want to say, I'm not going there for it for that record, but um, because everything has to line up on the day and, you know, everything needs to be perfect for it. I'm going there to run as fast as I can and I really hope that I get the opportunity to do so. Um, I've been a bit unlucky with uh, conditions and that in quite a few marathons, so it would be nice if <laughs> we got a good day in Valencia, fingers crossed. Well, we've still got you here for about another hour, so I'm sure we'll have plenty more questions to ask between now and then. But, Brady, are you going to take us through your week or are you saving it for road to uh, Valencia? Uh, I'll quickly go through it. How's that sound, Croaks? All right. I don't want Sinead That's to good. sit through too much of this stuff, but um, we'll go. We'll talk about some stuff in road to Valencia, a bit more detail. Let me just whip it up here. So I was coming off, um, I did 32K the Sunday before this Monday at 321 pace it was a progression run so came off a big um monday and this is five weeks to four weeks to go out from valencia so in the kind of meat of it here uh monday i did 70 minutes super easy 448 pace just letting the legs recover in the afternoon i did 8k at 429s reckon there's something in that too when you're tired on the morning one but then the legs feel like they bounce back for the afternoon one um, Tuesday, got out for 90 minutes, listened to you, Andy Buchanan and Moose, last week's show. Thought Andy was pretty good on their croaks, brought a bit of banter, brought some callback jokes, didn't mm. he? He was bringing up stuff that happened like two or three years ago, yep. which was good. And I know, you know, personally, you're a bit nervous off air beforehand, having a big name like that on there, but I... I think you handled yourself very well with um, the likes of Andy Buchanan. More, so uh, more, nervous, more nervous this week, I'll give you the tip. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You were both good. Um, 8K in the afternoon at 4.29s. Wednesday, I went back to work. So we had this flooding issue, which has been happening in our town the last, geez, I think I've been off work for two and a half, three weeks. But school finally did go back. We still got our school oval closed because there's, um, there's a river at the back of our school so that's got our levy bank up there at the moment, but most of the town's pretty good now. The the main levies in town have held, so it's good for the kids to get back to school, especially after they missed so much time during COVID last year and a few years before that. So good to see them back. So I just got out for a 25-minute fartlek in the morning, bit time poor. Um, I did five, four, three, two, one, five, with one minute jog between. So that comes out 25 minutes. I like this workout, get to work a few different gears. I usually do the five minutes at about threshold. So I think I was hovering around like three, six, three, seven for those. Um, the four minutes I went 302 pace. The three minutes I went 256 pace. The two minutes I went 258 pace. And the one minute I ran 249 pace. Um, so all up, that was like seven and a half K, 7.7 K at 314s. Then got out for 8K after work. It was cold, had gloves on in November. Not sure about where you guys were, but um, Tuesday was really cold. cold here. And perceived effort was just high being being in the um, in the cold. And I guess I've been doing a lot of longer stuff leading to Valencia that that kind of sub three pace shocks the system a bit at the moment. Thursday, got out for two hours at 4.09s. Wore the ASICS Glide Ride 3 for the first time, Bradley. I know you're a big fan of the two back in the day. 
one of the best jogging shoes getting around. Can't ask your opinion on them, Sinead, because you're a Nike girl, but um, it's one of my favourites, the Glide Ride from ASICS. Just feel like good cushion there, good rocker. Me averaging 409s is going all right, so they must have um, been giving me some kind of pop in my step. 30 minutes in the afternoon at 4.34s, so good day of mileage there. Friday, 7K, straight out of bed. Friday's the day I stay home and look after Olivia. So that's a pretty nice day for me, just getting to hang out with a 10-month-old. And um, 15K when Carly got home from work, listened to the old uh, Coffee Club podcast croaks. Those boys mm-hmm. are becoming a weekly rotation for me. I know you've been a big fan for a long time. Um, yeah, I like it. They're, they're, yeah, I'm on, I'm on them every week. They were pretty keen on uh, Helen O'Beary, weren't they? Just shows, yeah. yeah, she didn't quite well, execute what they were thinking, but um, no. that's probably why you don't ask for track runners' opinion on marathoners. What did they think Helen was going to run? Oh, they thought they were going to crush it. It's absolutely dominated, yeah. win easy. She, but but she, even yeah. even um, Dathan was on uh, Sidious Mag. I listened to that, and he like he was amazed at like the workouts that she was doing. Um, and I think he said that you know if he wasn't on the podium, they'd be pretty disappointed. You know Which, what I reckon got me, got her got her though potentially. They the boys were saying that she didn't like taking gels and drinks, mm. and she was saying to Dathan that she didn't need them and didn't want to take them. So I wonder, especially when the weather was a bit hotter, and we will get to New York shortly. Yeah. But maybe that could have been her issue. But um, it's just a different beast as well, the marathon. Oh, that is, isn't it? So yeah. um, well, it's it's um, like I know Moose wouldn't like this saying it's like unpredictable, but there are things that like it just it just evens the playing field a little bit. It's a different sport, you know, mm. she's, and she hasn't done a lot of halves either. Like, she's very much been a 5, 10K track runner. Um, so that was Friday afternoon, enjoyed that. Saturday, easy 16K in the morning and some strides, got out for 8K in the afternoon. And then Sunday, I did 32K at 3.55 pace. And then I changed into the Alpha Flies and did 8K at 3.11 pace. And then did 2K cool down. So that was a 42K morning um, for a 200K week. So been knocking. I, I, know, I know you've been listening, Croaks, to the road to Valencia. I've been trying to get the Ks up there. So um, another big week of mileage. So four weeks you to fit. go. Very confident. Well, not very confident, but I'm, yeah. Every time I've gone to do a workout, it's just, it's clicked. You know what I mean? And even the weird sessions, and I know, Sinead, you've done a couple of them. I think Zach was telling me, he was jogging with you last week where you maybe did the long run and then a workout at the end of it. Yeah. And it's, it's often you finish the long run part of it, so you've been out there for kind of like two hours, and you just, I'm putting my, my alpha flies on like, I don't know what's about to happen here. Like, what have my legs got left, you know? What's it going to yeah. be? And then you just start, and it feels odd because you've been running at a certain pace for two, two and a bit hours. And then they just, it just clicked, you know, after a K, I think I went the first K in 306 and then, had to kind of settle things down to 310 and um, I think I got to 6k and I was averaging 310 and thought well I just got to roll this home here um, so I didn't have to force it which was a good sign so what's your ABC goal like and don't play it down because you're, you're fit a goal's 280 uh, no like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over the other side of the world leave my wife and kids at home and not I've got to have a good run and I mean that like I don't want to roll the dice and blow to pieces and come home with a 221 or 222. So like my yeah. first goal is to protect and pay and, and still, yeah, you can have a good build up, but you still got to respect the marathon. Like it's 42K. We saw like some of yeah. the results at New York. Like look at what a bit of hot weather can do. 
if you don't get it right, like times can slow pretty quick. So I'm not going to go over to the other side of the world and, and roll the dice massively, especially if the weather's no good or it's windy or whatever like that. Um, so the first thing is to protect a, a decent performance. And I want to put myself in a position like Moose has been in a lot of his marathons where he can open up at 32, 33K and then maybe you're aiming for a 218 and then you can find some time in the last 10K and run a 217. Instead of being, I'm going to go for a 217, something goes wrong, blow to pieces and come home for 221. So, mm. and it's still four weeks. Like I've actually, yeah, got to me, I'm going to Melbourne Wednesday because I've got some issues with my iron again. So I'm going down for an infusion. So it's just trying to sort some, um, some things out. But anyway. Still haven't given me. You didn't give me any times there. I've always I've, I've, a goal, a goal, I've, ABC. I've set all my training at um at to run two eighteen. So like when I'm doing well, that that eight k wasn't at two eighteen pace, but it was meant to be a bit quicker than marathon pace. But um yeah, two eighteen zero zero Bradley would be nice, and it's in a minute. It's a minute fifty PB. Yeah, um, I think you're a different runner now though. Like I think you should go faster than that. But yeah. I think I think what, if, still still I think if you go through six, 69... And then run sixty-seven something second half, sixty-seven. I'm just looking forward to being in an elite race like Shanae. We're kind of talking about like heaps of men around, flat courses. Like compared to, um, you know, what we get at Melbourne last year, it was like, well, there's, there's not really a group at that pace I wanted to run last year. So two eighteen is three sixteen for here. Yeah, but you were running like three tens for that. Yeah, three eleven. I wanted to run a bit quicker than marathon pace. Um, yeah. And I did it off just one gel as well. So I just had one SIS gel, which is 40 grams. Um, I had that about an hour in. So I was trying to – I wanted this one to – we had the conversation a while ago on the podcast about actually having a bit of adversity in your training. Um, and the, the last couple of weeks have gone pretty well where I've kind of hit the splits I've wanted to hit. So this one I thought, well, instead of doing 8K at 316s, I'm going to just roll the dice a bit quicker and see if I can really struggle the last like, 2 or 3K, um, which didn't actually happen. So good signs, but I've got to work out this Sunday. Toby Mendes coming up to Moama and um, he's going to, he's trained a bit harder that or faster than me. So I'm going to try and jump in a workout with him just to try and get a bit closer to that fire. I'm going to predict 216 something. I'll take that, Bradley. Thanks. All right. Stay yeah, home now. Don't have to go. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. My week was not as impressive as your two, but I'll whip through it anyway. Uh, got home from work on Monday and it was bucking down rain, so I just jumped on the treadmill for 50 minutes at 4.48, watched a couple of episodes of Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, then Tuesday, I did another treadmill session. I did a 40-minute progression run. Uh, I love progression runs because you get through the first half of it feeling pretty comfortable, um, and then you know you push a bit hard in, in the last half. So I started off at 16.5K uh, an hour for the first 10 minutes, so that's like 338. I then did 10 minutes at 332s, 10 minutes at 326s, and 10 minutes at 320s. So, um, yeah. 11.5k at 329 average and my heart rate uh, average 157 for the whole run so um yeah got up there probably in the last 10 minutes but the first 30 minutes was was really comfortable then wednesday i ran from home just because we've had so much rain that the trails you know be so wet Uh, i did 20k 414s listened to road to valencia 
Then on Thursday, I went down to Yerubi Pond, um, just wanted somewhere nice and flat. The trails were still no good. Uh, really tried to slow my easy run down, which I thought was pretty good, actually. 4.18s on a dead flat um, loop uh, for, yeah, 10.5K. I thought that was pretty good for me. Does it feel weird for you? Uh, a little bit. Like, if you have a look at my first K, like, I am tr- I am trying. Like, to, it's just, yeah, like 4.31 for my first K. Like, that's pretty good for me. And it's dead flat. Um but it did feel it did feel super comfortable, so that was good. You know, Sinead fangs are easy runs as well, don't you? I feel like I'm you. You're usually the odd one out, but now I'm the odd one out going at four thirty pace on this podcast tonight. Yeah, I heard though that you changed recently, Sinead, to more like four thirties instead of four tens. Yeah, I. Um, or that didn't last very long. It lasted a few months, but I actually found that it wasn't helping at all. So now I just run my easy runs. I don't care what time, what pace they're at. Yeah. I completely go by feel. And they've ended up in back around. It, they'll vary from like 4.10s to 4.30s. Yeah. So whatever I feel like. And I don't get stressed out of it. If, if I've gone too fast or too slow or whatever, they are what they are. Sinead, like you can come idea. back anytime. You can come back anytime <laughs> because this is the first week that I haven't been like hounded for running too fast. Yeah, no, I, I just think it, it should be by feel. So, like, who's to say what's too fast? No. I, I think, like, you just go out and run, don't even look at your watch, and just as long as you feel recovered and it's easy, then it doesn't matter what place it is. Yeah, and there's yeah. one big difference here, though, Sinead. Croaks runs with his 1K splits on, and he sees every K and gets a bit competitive. He pushes the pace a bit, whereas you're just <laughs> running on field, don't even know what pace you're running. Mm. Is that true, Croaks? Oh, I do have the K splits on, but I don't always – well, I've been looking at them more lately to try and, like, slow myself down, and it works initially, and then I find once I get warmed up, the pace just gradually increases for the similar effort. Yeah. Um, yeah, or you – yeah. So, anyway, it was it was much more uh, enjoyable. Well, it was – yeah, it was slower than I normally run anyway. So then my Friday session um, sort of made this up as I went. Um, I did a 3K – tempo around Yerribee Pond to start with um so I ran about 9:40 for that 3k which felt pretty comfortable like it was um probably like 19 20 degrees that afternoon which you know is reasonably warm for the weather that we've been having um so after the 9:43k I jogged for two and a half minutes to some hills I did five hills which were just over 30 seconds each um taking about uh, 60 to 70 seconds recovery between each I then jogged from the hills back to the pond for two minutes and um, wasn't sure how what I was going to do, whether I'd do a couple of Ks or do like a 3K tempo, but I got going and ended up doing a solid kilometre to finish in like 3.05. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a mixed, of a mixed bag, a bit of everything there, but felt pretty good um, running. Then, yeah, Saturday, four tens around Mulligans for an hour. And then that afternoon, actually Saturday afternoon, I started doing some home gym stuff again. So at the start of this year, I was seeing a physio uh, for my calf that I hurt last December. And then I got COVID and I was, because I couldn't run, I was doing heaps of like, just bo- like body stuff, um, yeah, body weight stuff, uh, using the band. So like not actually lifting any weights. And when I came back from, uh, my calf and COVID, I wasn't fit, but I felt like I was actually moving really well. And I feel like the last couple of months, 
like I feel like I'm fit, but I just don't feel quite as efficient or moving that well. So I thought maybe I'll get back into some of these exercises again. So I did that Saturday afternoon and then went out for a um, an 8K run that afternoon and felt like really good. Like I did average 4.14s, but definitely wasn't putting much effort into that at all. And it sort of stayed with me the last couple of days. I felt pretty good. Um, and then Sunday was 30K, 4.12s. Uh, definitely, like, that, Brady, this is my slowest long run in the mm. last six weeks. I noted it when I saw it yesterday. Yeah, and so for the first hour, I was definitely just, like, really just holding myself back. Um, I still, It still felt, re- I was relatively tired by the end of it, but mainly just because of the heat. The heat really caught up with me in the last 20 minutes, but it wasn't, uh, as bad as like the couple of weeks before where I was, wasn't enjoying the last sort of 15 minutes. So it was 130 k for the week. So that was, yeah. It's still 490 metres to climb in it. No, no. So no, my Coros, my Coros, the elevation is gone. Like it's, it's that's completely wrong. Because oh, if really? you go back and have, a, yeah, if you go back and have a look at like my previous weeks on the same course, it's like 300 yeah, and something. So yeah, so I've noticed lately the Coros, Elevation has really just ramped up. By well, like, is it Strava? Well, uh, Nama watch, watch says it when I finish the runs, so okay. I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, so that's not that's not true. I didn't run 490 meters of elevation. It's a good week. You didn't. Um, the local fun run was on down in town. Didn't think about going and winning that on Sunday morning. Canberra no, times. I, I haven't run that one since they changed the course. Sort of out of no, like. Bit out of protest, like the Canberra Times 10K was an protest. iconic event here. Yeah. Well, a little bit. Like this, this runs. So it used to start in Woden and run to the lake, and it, it had been going for like 40, 45 years. Like Deke held the course record. Um, Andrew Loy, like because obviously the AIS was massive in the 80s. Like so, the who's who used to run this event, and then it got bought out, and now they have a 10K run that starts and finishes at the lake. It's not like it's a you know part of the Canberra Marathon course. Like all of that history is just gone. It'd be like city. It'd be like somebody buying out City to Surf and say, "Hey, it's easy. It's easier for us to have, you know, a couple of five k loops around Bondi than it is to shut all the main roads in Sydney to do do the traditional course. It's not the same. It's not the same event. So mm-hmm. and it and it and it shows now as well with the like. The top guys in Canberra aren't turning up to it because there's no prize money. There used to be prize money for it. And so if you're not offering prize money, that's going to affect the quality of the field. So, yeah. But um, anyway, let's before we get to that, let's thank some patrons. Do you want to go first, Brady? Yes, I'll go first. I've got Christopher Reside. He lives in Melbourne. His Strava's pretty locked down, but his bio says, not my day on the way back. So maybe a bit of an injury or something there, Croaks. Do you reckon that's a reference to not my day? Sure. I don't know. I, I I did giggle when I saw it. I was like, oh yeah, he's been uh, he's been listening to Moose go on about people when they say it's not my day. I reckon it is because this guy's smart, and that feels like a smart thing to do. He's an advisor at the office of Senator, the Honourable Jane Hume's office, and mm. I just looked him up before. He won the Premier's Award for Literature from the Victorian Department of Education and Early Childhood in November two thousand and ten. And winning that award is because he scored the highest score achieved in literature in the VCE, edu- well, that Victorian Certificate of Education. I don't think it's called that anymore. Maybe it's called ATAR now. But VCE was what we did when I was in year 12 in 2010. 
So this is the smartest guy in the whole of Victoria at literature in 2010. We've always said, Brady, that um, we have some pretty smart people that listen to our show. And we have very smart people who support the show. I think the IQ of the Patreon supporters compared to the other people that listen, there's definitely high IQ of the Patreon supporters. Some of these occupations and achievements we read out every week blows my mind. So and thank you, IQ, Christopher. Their IQ probably drops a bit after they've listened to you, me, and Moose for an hour and a half each Maybe week. Maybe that's why they listen to it, just to get a bit of low <laughs> IQ stuff each week, you know. Their, their life's full of real important stuff, and they've just got to zone out. You know, when you just scroll Instagram after you've been on a day, day on the tools at work, and you're like, I just need to escape my serious lifestyle. Yeah. Anyway, who have you got, Sinead? Um, I've got Llewellyn Davies from Goulburn in New South Wales. Uh, he's relatively new to running um, <laughs> after coming from a rugby union background. Um, he's part of the Mulligan's Flat Track Club and PBs include 5K, 2020, 10K, 4255 at Sydney Harbour 10K and half marathon is 94 minutes and that was at Gold Coast this year. And he's a real blue collar athlete he spends most of his days on a roof installing solar panels. Yep, I coached Lou, Lou, so that's that's a tough that's a tough gig. Tell you what, like, cause it's, so Goulburn's about an hour from Canberra, and it's either stinking hot or freezing cold, and he spends all day on a roof, and then has to go and uh, go and run. So yeah, anyway, um, and I've got was that did sorry? I pronounce, did I pronounce his name properly? Yeah, yeah, yep, nailed it. Gave you a tough name, Sinead. Usually he takes the tough I was ones. Like, yeah, but I thought I thought one of my athletes would appreciate uh, an Olympian giving him a shout out rather than me giving him a shout out. Maybe a pay rise this, this uh, month, Chris. Throwing yeah, a few maybe. extra dollars. Uh, yeah, and I'm giving Theo um, Angelopoulos a uh, a shout out this week. Theo lives in Sydney. Uh, I think he might be a mortgage broker at the Loans Analyst, and he's been there for over 16 years. And I think he ran three hours 23 at the 2021 Canberra Marathon and 41.46 at this year's Sydney 10. So thanks to Theo, Christopher and Lou for your support. Um, head over to Patreon if you want to support the show and listen to Brady's final four weeks in the uh, lead up to the Valencia Marathon. Oh, not my last three weeks, Crokes. Listen to like Christian and Toby. Those two boys are flying. I reckon oh, Toby, Toby's training harder than anyone in Australia. He's doing 200k weeks every week, banging big workouts. He actually reminds me of what Moose was back when we started this show. Real blue collar. He, the first episode we did, Sinead, we had to beep about 20 things he said because he didn't realise like defamation laws actually existed. <laughs> so he's like the, the real unpolished version of Moose like he was back in the day before he started getting trained on oh, the microphone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can we, can we get that episode on Patreon? Yeah, it's on Patreon. It's on Patreon. Yeah. It's on, 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 on Edited. Uh, on, what, on what level? I'll just give it to you, Sinead. I know, I know you're supporting us on Patreon, but you, should, you probably shouldn't be. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure you can look at it. There's some good training in there. We had um, Rachel McGuinness. She's doing Valencia, so she popped in and spoke about her training. So we've got some special guests popping in each week who are also doing Valencia. Um, so, yeah, some, some fascinating training talk in there. What about last week, Brady? Toby has a, has a big night in Geelong, sleeps in his car, hmm rolls out Sunday morning for a, a marathon sort of yeah. workout, 3.38 out of the car, first kilometre, in oh, super shoes. This is what I'm talking about. That's, that's Moose 2017 written all over it, isn't it? It is. It is. I'm not sure Moose was too happy about that, though. Yeah, coach put his foot down. But anyway, they're, they're well, training hard, those boys. Christian's been in Kenya. He's got some good stories over there. A message now from our podcast partner, Lululemon. 
We've been talking about and wearing Lululemon's limited edition Movember product range. In today's world, we know that mental wellbeing support is needed more than ever. As part of Lululemon's ongoing commitment to elevate mental wellbeing, our partnership with Movember hopes to accelerate and expand access to wellbeing tools across Australia and New Zealand, creating real lasting change within our communities. You can show your support for Movember with this limited edition Lululemon Movember product collection. Lululemon is here to support you while you support Movember in changing the face of men's health. Try it out for yourself with free shipping and free returns for all online orders. Go to lululemon.com.au. Anyway, you want to go to Radio News? Yeah, take us to New York. We'll go to New York first. We'll go there. We'll go to the women's race because uh, we had two of our absolute marathoning stars over there. Didn't get up to watch it. Bad time, New York, for Australians, isn't it? Kind of, it's too late to stay up and it's too early to get up. So, like midnight, um, isn't it? Like 12, 12, 12 30 maybe? Yeah, yep. So yeah. a couple of your teammates were in action over there, Sinead from the Com Games, Jess Stenson and Aloise Wellings. We're thinking about Jess Stenson today. You know those memes that pop up on Facebook and social media and it's like you have to call one of your friends and if they don't pick up, you get a million dollars and you tag your most <laughs> unreliable mate in the comments. You know the guy who never yeah. picks up? Yeah. Jess Stenson is our marathoner that you could say you have to pick one marathoner who nails it absolutely every time they race. Who do you tag in there? Jess Stenson. Gets it done yeah. on the big stage. Every marathon she races, like, she just like, nails it. Yeah, well, name name the last time she had a bad marathon. I can't. And we're talking about like... No, she's never had a bad nah, marathon. No. We're talking about championship ones too. We're talking about marathons on the biggest stage. Maybe other than Perth, but she couldn't get overseas. Like, And she still ran a PB that day on a pretty ordinary course. But... Talking about world champs, comp games, Olympics, world marathon majors, she was ninth. She ran 227.27. It was hot. Not sure if anyone's done the conversion on just how hot it was. I'll ask you that in a second. The race was won by Sharon Lokidi. Um, this is her debut. She ran 223.23. I think this surprised a few people, but a lot of love for her out of the United States. She went to college over there and she was the NCAA champion in 2018, Kenyan born, and I think she's stayed. Now she's sponsored by Under Armour. So a bit of a story in that, that mm-hmm. someone wearing Under Armour shoes has won um, a world marathon major. Um, and coached by Stephen Hass, who people may know that name, Luke Matthews' manager. Um, I think Stephen Scullion was maybe and coached by Stephen Hass for a while there. Um, so I'm sure that's the first time he's coached a world marathon major winner. So she won, it was close, over Lona Solpepper. That's who uh, the runs for... Uh, runs for Israel. Israel, doesn't she? Yeah. Kenyan-born though as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. She ran, she's ran 217. She's fast. Yeah. Christian picked her and rode to Valencia last week. She ran 223.30, so pretty close, seven-second finish. And then got to Tom Gabrisolesi from Ethiopia, was third in 223.39. Some other stories out of there while we're talking about the internationals athletes was uh, Helen O'Beary made her highly anticipated debut. She was sixth in 225.49. So maybe a touch of disappointment there from that crew, which we've already spoken about. Um, And then Alwes Wellings, she was our other Australian in action. She was 18th in 234.50. That was Eloise's, I'm going to say, yeah, fifth marathon in 13 months. This time last year, Crokes, we were talking about Eloise's debut over in London because that was an October edition. She was on the show, James Constantine, 
um, interviewed her just afterwards. So to think that she's now got four more next to that debut next to her name in just over 12 months is quite remarkable. Um, what do you think, Sinead? Some people, you've raced a lot of these girls, you've been on teams with a lot of these ladies. What did you think when you saw the results when you woke up this morning? Yeah, look, I was pretty disappointed I couldn't watch it. I was so tempted to stay up and watch it. Uh, but instead, I got the tracker and uh, woke up this morning, had a look. Um, I actually hadn't heard of uh, Sharon before. Oh. So I was like straight away onto World Athletics to look up her profile to see what her PVs are. <laughs> but she, they're, they're not that fast, really. Um, other than she ran New York Half Marathon uh, this year, and that's a tough course, and she ran like 68-14. So that's her half PB. So, yeah, she was definitely like an unexpected winner for that one. Um, I thought Lona might win it. Um, she, I've met her a couple of times at events. She was in Nagoya with us, and, yeah, she's like she's a great like a really fast marathon runner and she did really well at world champs as well mm. she, i can't remember she, she third yes maybe? second or third yep second yeah and she was um, right up there at the, she was right up there at the olympics too wasn't she like for a, a big yeah. part of it before pulling out yeah so she pulled out like really late mm. um maybe around well, i can't remember but definitely after 30k um yeah. But yeah, she was disappointed with that. But like, she's just gone from strength to strength since then. And then, like, of course, like Jess and Eloise, like, I was most interested in them. <clears throat> Jess, I think, had a blinder, like 227. And I don't know how, what the, how warm it was, but it seemed like they said it was unseasonably hot. Mm. Um, and Eloise, I'm sure, would have liked to have run faster. <clears throat> but it seemed to be a, a tough second half for her. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to watch it back. I heard that Des Linden was um, out the front kind of uh, with a similar strategy to the year myself and Ellie did it. Like Des was out the front kind of going, doing surges, like running fast for a few K and then pulling back. Um, so she did the same thing this year. But um, she, like I saw her tweet earlier and yeah. she's pretty disappointed with her. <laughs> With her performance as well. I know Carly read one out to me just when we were having dinner before we got onto this call, and it was quite, I know, I'm talking about, did she use, what did she say on Twitter? Was it the same as Instagram? It was the same as Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's just that she was embarrassed. Pretty huge, yeah. She just said, well, that was effing embarrassing. Haven't been this fit in a long time. Training was good, like really, really good. Proud of how I prepared and that I wasn't afraid to stick my nose in it. Disappointed with how it played out, such is life. Took a few moments to try and understand what went wrong. Going to go have some beers now. Thanks for all the cheers. Mm. Because we haven't seen her put a good one on the board for a while. And she was kind mm. of talking. And I think previously she's kind of been open about her injuries and her build-ups and, and why she's pulled out of a couple of races. Um, I don't have it here, but I think she was like 232. Yeah, 232.37. Yeah. But it was uh, one and of those. Fifteenth in the 15th, uh, no, sorry, 16th in, yeah, 16th female. Yeah. So a fascinating race in the women's. They kind of all entered Central Park, those three or four together at the end. So it would have been a great race to watch. Um, and, yeah, as I said, there was a lot of love for Sharon Wakiti, the winner um, from that American crowd as well. 100000 bucks you get for winning New York. Pretty good payday, oh, isn't that? Oh, really? 100000 US. Yeah. Probably about 150000 here at the moment with the currency, the, the exchange rate at the moment. So that'd be a nice payday. Jess... Uh, so- Jess was in ninth, and I think she got two and a half thousand. So it drops down pretty quick. 
Yeah. Mm. So, you know, with Helena Beer, you were saying she didn't take on any gels and drinks. Like, was that for the whole race? Oh, they were just saying that she was, she, yeah, she was making comments about how that was kind of new to her in marathon training. Um, this is like third hand now. This is the, the boys on that <laughs> podcast talking about what they've spoken about and then I've listened to it and trying to repeat it. But um, how Dathan was saying, like, it's super important and you have to get that nailed before the race day. So, but I remember listening to that going, oh, that's kind of like alarm bells a bit that if you're not respecting yeah. that whole hydration. But yeah, so I'm sure they fine-tuned that in the last couple of weeks. Men's race, want to talk about that one? Let's do it. Uh, men's race, this was, oh, uh, uh, I watched the highlight video today. Total running productions, they've got a good like nine-minute recap on it on YouTube if anyone wants to check that out. Um, this was, Crokes, you got the name of the guy who went off the front? Yeah, Brazilian. it's uh, Brazilian Daniel Do Nascimento. He's a 204 guy, isn't he, from Seoul? He's legit, I'm not sure. He's the but fastest. He went, through, he went through 10K only two seconds slower than his 10K track PB. Yeah, but he's the fastest oh. non-African marathoner. I think he's run 204. So when you look at the rankings, okay. so this guy's I'll, a real deal. That. Yeah, this guy's a real deal. They um they let him get two minutes up the road. He went through in like 61 or something like that. He looked good, had the bleached hair and kind of like the pink and white Adidas kind of kit on. Everything was matching. And then he had a pit stop, went into the toilet for 18 seconds when he was winning and ahead. And then the poor fella, I think it was just after 20 miles, um, got the staggers up, stopped and then collapsed. Um, and Evans Chibet had left the lead pack to pull him in and did pull him in. He then went on to win the race. He nearly got caught by Shura Katata, the London Marathon winner. The COVID year, Sinead, when you were there, when it was raining, you were doing laps around the Buckingham Palace there. Oh, he was a bloke, <laughs> bad memories. He was the bloke that won yeah. over uh, Kipchoge that day. He nearly pulled him oh, in, right. but Chebet was just able to pull ahead in the end and win by 13 seconds, 208.41 to 208.54. First year, I don't know in how many years, the person who won Boston had won New York in the same calendar year. Um, oh. Abdi Nagagi from uh, Netherlands, Crokes? Yeah, and running so. team. He ran 2 at 10.31. He was third or fourth at Sapporo. Um, Kane Corns, friend of the show, he was in two hours, 40 minutes and nine seconds. Galen Rupp was a DNF, about 30K. Is he done, potentially? Weird racer. Weird racer and someone get this far ahead. And very odd, not sure if you guys saw, but someone, when they went over one of the bridges, there was just some random on a bike, just riding his bike next to um, Daniel, the Brazilian, when he was out in front. And all really? this, did you see this? Yeah. I know Cara Goucher like tweeted it like this person should not be here. Why are they um yeah so close? Oh my god! Just a random one. You've ran it, of course. So when you're on the bridges, there's no crowd, yeah. and some yeah some guy had got onto the bridge and was just riding next to the winner for a couple of k while he was going over it. Oh wow! Very he has run two hundred four fifty one in Seoul, Korea. Yeah, so it was a real uh, deal this, this guy this year in April. Yep. So interesting they let him get two minutes up the road, but I guess he was going at a pretty ridiculous pace. And the boys in that chase pack um, probably did play the right hand, didn't they? Because he, he couldn't hold it. I wonder what he's thinking, though. It's like it like it was way under course record, like way under, and it's a hot day. Like, it just, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he potentially could have won um, <laughs> if, if he, he played it smarter. If, you know, done it. But, yeah, Galen Rupp, he hasn't had a great result for quite a while now, so I'm wondering sort of, 
you know, where whether he's almost done. So when did he drop it? Just after 30, I think it was, 30K. Um, but, Croaks, we've got to put this on our list. We've got to go over there and do it, New York. Looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Is it as good as everyone says it is, Sinead? Yeah, like, I loved it. It's really, a really special marathon. And, like, I hate hills, but I still loved uh, New York marathon. It's just something about the whole atmosphere there and, like, the course is really cool and finishing in Central Park. Like, I loved everything about it. It's really good. Sinead, don't go into specifics, but I, I notice um, like all of these big American major marathons have a massive amount of money, like outside of the prize money for top 10, like big prize money for just Americans. Yeah. And, you know, like, so Jess, I think would have, if she was American, would have finished like third, um, third American, which would have got her $10,000. Instead, she comes away with two and a half thousand, which is less than what, the over which is less than what you get for winning the over 40 race like do the contracts that australians get to go over there make it worthwhile even if they don't come away with much prize money well i think that's totally dependent it's not um yeah it depends on if they want you to race or if you request to get in Uh, i'd say that would vary hugely yeah i i quite like how they um how they do that for their own runners like the mm. they support the americans like i think it would be great if there was a similar thing in australia yeah um yeah. and like all of the like the american girls especially love racing new york love racing the american marathons and that's probably one of the reasons like they get treated really well and yeah. you know there is the the top american placings and stuff i think i think it adds a nice element to it well you can see why they don't go to berlin when they're probably like the, the top americans are probably getting good appearance money to go to these events yeah, plus plus they know they're in the hunt for you know twenty five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars for finishing third american um so yeah Sinead, do you uh, think it impacts the american women's longevity in the sport because it seems like, well, maybe in Australia, you know, well, might not Eloise, that's probably not the best example, but it's like two marathons a year, where it seems like American women marathoners need to make money while the, what's the saying, while the hay shines, no, sun shines, whatever that saying is. Um, like make, we, hay while the, make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, did I get it right the first time? Yeah. Shouldn't have second-guessed myself. No. Um, <laughs> they seem to do it a lot, and then you look at some of their results, and it's it's a bit inconsistent, but I can see why they're signed up to these marathons, and even like Kiara D'Amato, I think this is her this is her fourth marathon this year, and I see why she's jumping at opportunities to do them for for it's her job. But at the same time, you're like, is this going to impact her to run fast in the future? Um, I don't know. Like, I think a lot has changed. Um, I think before super shoes were around, like two marathons a year was probably enough, three max. But like, your legs don't get it banged up now, so it's not um as much of an issue i think like but those girls seem to be able to knock out yeah like heaps of marathons every year but and maybe because it, they have so many options in the states like if they were traveling to europe and for, for us to go from australia to europe it's a big massive effort it's a huge deal and there's you know a big build-up a long turnaround whereas if we were just we could go to different cities in australia to do these marathons it wouldn't be such a it's such a huge deal, I think. Yeah. So yeah, they point. have like so many options, um, more time to recover. Um, 
I don't, I don't really think it's going to impact their longevity. Like Kira had quite a few years out of the sport as it is, and I don't know. She keeps she's going from strength to strength. I know New York probably wasn't. She it's probably evident in that that she might have done one too many. Yeah, because she did in a, a short Berlin, space of time. Yeah. yeah, she did. Yeah, and world champs. And Berlin was probably she's probably a bit disappointed with that as well. I would think. Yeah. Um, she would like she, I don't know what she was aiming for, but um, she kind of died a little bit in the the back end of it. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, this <laughs> is more of a discussion about it, which you've done yeah. a good job of. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. The racing opportunities are so much different over there. Just one thing before we move on from New York, just um, with with Jess, like we didn't really mention the way that she ran it, in that she did let sort of the main pack go and then ran through a lot of people over the the second half. And that's one thing that I reckon she does really well and sort of similar to what Michael Shelley used to do, like knowing exactly how you should feel at particular points in the race and not worrying about what, you know, the top American girls are doing. You know, just let them go because you know how you should be feeling and then back yourself in the second half. So, um yeah, like that must be an awesome feeling just running through the running through the field like as she did because I think she had a maybe like a minute and a half positive split, which compared to most people on that day is you know is, is outstanding. Oh, nails it every time, doesn't she? Yeah. How's her Strava followers going, Croak? Since you put that shout out a couple of weeks ago, trying to get her up to Christian. Uh, let me check, but she's um she'll be on she the pulled, show next uh, next week. She pulled her run off from today. She did upload it, but now it's gone. All right. Well, that's not going to help for them get followers, is it? Yeah, ASICs have said pull it down or something, I reckon. 2,405. 2,000. She's still. I just want to have a look. She's still 10,000 off Christian. Yeah, it's gone. Is it gone for you? Um, I gave her kudos there, too. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Jeez. We should make up yeah. some controversy there. What do you want to run with? Don't know. Don't know. That's odd behaviour. Well, I'll ask her next week. I'll ask her, yeah. Why have you pulled it down? It's not helping your follower count. (laughs) All right. Let's go um, closer to home, Sinead. Just a couple of, like, domestic results. Um, Yep. So the Queensland 5K champs, um, Callum Davies took the win in 1411. Liam Bowden in 1414 for second. And Tim Vincent third in 1422. Um, For the women, uh, Brielle Erbacher was... Won in 1611. Olga Fersova in 1624 came second. And third was Aspen Anderson in 1645. Is Callum associated with MTC? At all? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. I'm, yeah, yeah not that I know of. He's a Puma boy, though, isn't he? I think he's a Puma boy. I thought he was. I thought Louis McAfee was telling us oh. he was. But did be well, MTC Queensland. You think Nick Nick manages him, maybe? Maybe. I reckon Sinead's oh, down maybe. here just worrying about Melbourne people, Croak. She's putting her on the spot here. She can't keep her <laughs> eyes know, across doesn't, the... Doesn't know a, doesn't know a Sorry, team, Sorry, Callum, if I got that she wrong. Doesn't, she doesn't worry about the guys winning state champs, Croaks. When you're the king of the group, the queen of the group, you don't worry about the presence down below. Uh, and uh, what about the Camera Times fun run? Um, yep, so the half marathon winner was Ben McCronin in 69.42. Um, for the women was Rachel Waters in 86.16. And the 10K winner was Michael Chapman in 32.41. And Paige Campbell um, won the women's in 33.42 with Marnie Ponson uh, second in 33.56. And yeah. Paige was actually third overall as well and Marnie fifth overall. 
Yeah. So uh, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of depth in the Canberra run, which you know, because most of Dick's guys, well, uh, Michael trained with Dick, but um, you know, Dick's got about ten guys that would probably do a tempo, but you know, everyone's protesting, um, crooks. You should put yourself on. Well, put yourself on the committee and get some changes happening. <laughs> well, I think you'd agree, though. You know, like as soon as as soon as runs, it doesn't matter how iconic the event is. As soon as you start like ditching prize money, it's it's going to affect the top end of the, the race. Yeah, definitely. So, is with the entry fees and everything, does that go to charity or anything, or? No, not a lot. So it's, it's run by Soul Motive now. Um, so because at one point I was thinking about maybe running the half, but then I left it pretty late. It was going to cost me like a hundred and something dollars for like not a not a super fun course, not a fast course, and yeah, I couldn't see any prize money on the um, on the website. So I'm like, well, oh, I'll just yeah. go and do my long that's, run. It's all about yeah, cash and aid so for this bike. All like, about cash. So, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's not. No, <laughs> yeah, but you're a, word, yeah, you're no, a professional probably. athlete. This guy isn't. Just get out there amongst the people. Well, it probably would have been. We'll put it this way: if if it was still the old event with the same course that Deke used to run, I would actually do that one and not be worried about prize money. And I'm I'm sure actually a lot of the other Canberrans would do it as well because it's just so iconic. Um, but anyway, that's my rant. It's not it's not uh, Moose on the loose time. Yeah, we've got to get to that. Uh, we're whip I'll, through the back end of this show, coach. Yeah. Take us overseas. I'll quickly run through World Mountain Running Champs, which is in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Now, there's a heap of different events. There was a long trail race, which was like nearly 80K with, you know, nearly 5,000 metres of climbing. The short trail was 40K. There was an uphill race, which was 8.5K with 1,000 metres of climbing. There was an uphill and downhill race. Um, so I had a look to try and find who was the best Aussie, and there were three Aussies that all finished in 29th place. So Paige uh, Linegar was 29th in the short course. Eleanor Stevenson or Stephenson was 29th in the up and down race. And Zach Newsham was 29th in the junior up and down. Um, I did hear from somebody on the ground that for the uphill race, the Ugandan team were taken to the finish line thinking that was the race start. One was oh, a race no. favourite. And um, they looked devastated at the exhibition centre when this guy saw them there. So that's a bit of a stuff up. Mm, that is. Um, world Athletics have taken um, this over, though, haven't they? This yeah, has become a World yeah. Athletics meet now, yeah. A lot of events over, what, three days? Mm. Something like that? Yeah, so. Um, all right, that's train. That's the um, yeah running news for the week. So we're going to hear now from Lululemon Ambassador Alex Bell about more than a run and Lululemon's partnership with Movember. This week's guest is a Lululemon ambassador, more than a run founder, and he owns the Running Room Physiotherapy in Sydney. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Alex Bell. Thanks for having us, gents. Joy to be here. No worries. Um, we had Ollie on last week, and he gave us a good rundown of the more than a run event. But for those people that missed it, can you tell us like what it is, how it started, and, and ways people can get involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it started only last year, which is which is kind of hard to believe given where things are at now. But um, we like to think of it as a decentralised uh, running initiative. It's really serves some objectives to connect the running community um, and connect them for a common cause. So we support Movember, and more importantly, you know, we aim to uh, improve mental health and and awareness around suicide prevention as well. So it started there on Great Manly Beach with uh, an idea that Ollie came to me about and. Um, yeah, it took off from there. The plan was to have 15 run clubs, and, and last year it really um, ended up 
ended up being pretty incredible. I think we had over 140 run clubs raised over $650,000 um, and we had over 1,700 runners. So essentially, there's three distances that people can take part in. There's a November 10, November 30 and a November 60 distance. They're all tied very strongly to some mental health um, statistics that, that we're really passionate about changing. And I think that's a really important piece of this that, you know, people can, it, it, they're relatively atypical distances with the exception of the 10 kilometer, you know, the November 30 and the November 60, you know, not really typical running distance. So immediately that starts a conversation. Someone says, well, why are you running 30 Ks? Um, and so the November 10 is for the one in 10 Australian males suffering from anxiety disorder. The November 30 is for the 30% rise in um, Australian men dying by suicide over the last decade. And the November 60 is for the 60 men that we lose each hour, every hour across the globe. So some pretty um, some pretty uh, shocking statistics there that, you know, when I speak to them, they still give me, give me the shivers and, and something that um, we're really passionate about changing. And how can people sort of get involved? Like, do they go to a website? Um, what's what's the deal there? Yeah, so people can get involved um, from anywhere in Australia and New Zealand. The easiest way is to go to morethanrun.com.au. If you're part of a run club, the chances are your run club's probably taking part. Um, if you don't have a run club, though, don't worry. Like, you can still get involved for sure. So you can lace up on the 26th of November, get out there and run your 10, 30 or 60 and know that you're out there running with thousands of other runners. So the easiest way is... You go to that website, you essentially sign up a, a, a MoSpace, you jump on the Movember platform, make yourself a MoSpace, and then uh, you join the More Than Run Challenge. So it's super simple. And if everyone, anyone needs any information, jump on that website or even hit us up on on Instagram at More Than Run. Alex, take us back to this time last year when you first got involved. I was looking at your Instagram account earlier today, and you almost look like you're too cool to be a runner. There's some good pictures of some motorbikes, some dogs. You don't look like the traditional running nerd that Brad and I look like on this Skype call. So uh, maybe tell us a bit more about those initial times and, and how you got started and then what running, I guess, means to you now. Yeah, mate. I think, um, mate, I'm always... Uh... I've always been a bigger guy. You know, I played a lot of sport. I grew up down in Melbourne playing a lot of AFL, a lot of cricket. I would never consider myself a good runner. And I think it was because, you know, I was never fast or anything like that. But certainly, um, I actually went and worked in the mines, mate, as a youngster. I was about 18 before I started physiotherapy. And and that's when I first got into running. I got into it to support my mental health. And, you know, it wasn't until I started running for for me and, and not, you know, in a sporting context that, um, you know, I really started enjoying it. So I'd finish work, I'd go have a shower and go for a run. And, and that's probably where I started started my journey with running. And then when I became a physio, I um, was treating a lot of athletes um, and then started to, to utilize some technology in the clinics and um, quickly found myself treating a lot of triathletes and then a lot of runners. And since then, things have really grown, mate, at the running room. And, and, you know, I'm absolutely stoked to be part of, you know, the best sporting community I think we're all probably a little, bi- little bit biased, but the best running, com- best sporting community, I think, out of any of the sports. It's pretty special too, isn't it? And and men and running, like I'm sure you've got some stories over the years of when people, and they, the boys spoke about it last week, I wasn't on the show, but how men open up more when they're exercising and running together, like it's just a special combination. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something that, I mean, not only men, I think, you know, men and women as well, mm. but, but I think more, like often we have... You know, there's often this this preconceived kind of you know stigma, I suppose, that men can't open up, and and something we're trying to change as well. And I think running side by side really helps with that. But it's certainly something that, you know, we, we know how much that that running can support not only our physical health, but it always transcends you know towards our mental health. And it's why a lot of us run. It's a question that we ask 
everyone who walks in the door at the running room, you know, why do you actually run? Um, and more often than not, it's not about PBs or it might be at the start, but, you know, I like to think of that ripple effect of running and if we can keep people out there moving and, and um, you know, physically well, I think it certainly helps with their mental health and, you know, what does that do to them as a father or as a brother, as a friend, you know, as a work colleague? I think that just that ripple effect transcends, um, you know, running itself and, and really, you know, moves out into the community. I think we can build better communities if, if people are moving and people are running. Mm-hmm. And Alex, I believe you've been sort of personally touched by sort of mental health and and close friends committing suicide. Was that largely like a, a reason why you got behind this initiative? Yeah, mate, it was. Um, certainly was. I lost my best mate um, who died by suicide um, some years ago now, and it's still something that, um, you know, I think about often. Um, you know, it was obviously a very shocking experience and, and something that's... Um, yeah, yeah, still, still, you know, to this day, it really does touch me. And I think that um, I'm a pretty positive guy. I'll try and like to, you know, take a positive out of obviously a very negative situation. And I think that, you know, since that day, I've always wanted to try and give back in this space. Um, it's probably why I became a physio as well, um, you know, was to give back. And it's, um, it's, I've always been looking for that opportunity that, you know, something that I can really put all of my heart into and, and feel that we can make a difference and I think that more than run is, is the perfect thing to do that. And um, also, so a slight change of topic, but um, your name's been in the media a bit recently as you're, uh, you're the physio to Ned Brockman, the guy that ran from Perth or Cottesloe Beach to Bondi Beach. Um, any cool stories from being on the road with him for, what, 47 days? Croaks, this is the yeah. man that got him there. He kept him yeah. in one piece. Hardest yeah. job in Australia. Yeah, boys, it was a, uh, it was certainly an experience. Let me tell you that. Um, I've, I've never met a man like that. So so resilient. You know, resilient comes to mind there. And I think that, um, you know, there's many stories. I think we could chat about this for hours. But I think probably the biggest one is is that one where, you know, Ned had this this what's called a tenosynovitis in the front of his shin, and it was so bad that he couldn't lift his foot up. Um, he drove 13 hours. We got him an MRI scan. He had an injection, a cortisone injection, into the front of the shin there, into the tendon itself. Um, usually, you know, you would rest for a period of days after you have an injection like that and just let it, you know, have its effect. But um, in, as only Ned Brockman would do, he drove 13 hours back to that start line, uh, slept for two hours, got up at 5 a.m. and run 100 k's um, on on a pretty uh, pretty busted up shin, and and then subsequently in the next six days ran 675 kilometers, um, which is still, you know, as a physio, it's a uh, it's un- I can't believe it, you know, absolutely insane. So, yeah, incredible, incredible man. But I think it shows too, like, what, you know, just a, what you would consider obviously is not a normal bloke, but a normal Aussie guy who, who could really use running as his vehicle, connect a community and really, you know, unite people who weren't even into running. But I think that's the power that, that one man can have and bringing communities together is pretty special. Yeah, one of my questions, like you being a physio, because like Brady and I both run like pretty high mileage week in, week out, you know, like 100 mile weeks. And Ned's not a guy that typically runs like, yeah, he does these massive events, but like he's not running 150 kilometers every sort of week, week in, week out. As a physio, are you surprised that his body was able to handle that? Because I know that if I go from like 150 to 170, I start getting some tib tendonitis and like I'm done. I'm, I'm a week, week off. Yeah, mate, for sure. Um, I think the the lead up to uh, this run itself as well, he was battling this. The last two years have been pretty interrupted for him. I think the the shift that we made with Ned was really trying to put some strength into his into his tissue and really try and build some capacity. So 
we we played around with um, adding a huge amount of strength training load to him, um, trying to reduce his mileage. He's got a pretty good coach as well in Matty Abel, and um, we really tried to pull back uh, running volume, really because we had to in in some of those training blocks. Um, but I think that was probably the thing that that helped him a lot as well. And I think, you know, it wasn't like he wasn't getting injured out there. He's just um, he's just so mentally tough that he was just able to to keep going and keep running through things. But it's certainly not the ideal way to um to train and and we often think at the clinic now we're probably going to get a lot of ned brockman inspired injuries i would say <laughs> yeah alex last one for me i think you're at the um lululemon launch maybe maybe yesterday i saw that on instagram as well um i think the one down in melbourne was maybe last week we had one of our representatives there as well some pretty cool kit to come out of that we got some delivered to our house some nice looking shorts what's your favorite bit of kit yeah, mate. The um, the, I really like the Movember the shorts. Yeah, uh, the, the liners. Yeah, the fast and free. Pretty, pretty decent kit. This is the Movember capsule this year, and um, yeah, I'll certainly uh, be donning the Movember shorts. And and to be honest, I don't mind the the blue, the little the aqua blue shorts are pretty nice as well, mate. Yeah, it's all good stuff. All high quality as well. We always like it when Lululemon comes on board for some kit. Very much so. Um, well, thanks for your time tonight, Alex. We really appreciate it. And um, yeah, keep up all the great work that you're doing in this mental health space and, and men's health as a whole. Hey, Alex, just before yes. we do let you go, is there a goal? Like I know 600,000 last year. Have you guys set a goal for this year? Yeah, we have. Absolutely. And it's and it's going pretty well. We want to raise a million dollars, yeah, you know, okay. which is a pretty lofty goal. But we're, I can tell you right now, I've just checked earlier that we've we're up to $190,000, you know, I don't know what the date is. I think it's the 7th, um, $190,000. We've got over 133 teams and over 1,200 runners. So I think um, just one thing with Moreland Run is, like, the money's really important. and We know it makes a big difference, and Movember do some incredible things with with that money. But I think the, the thing that we really want to get across as well is is these conversations are really, really important. You know, the intangibles of, of this event by connecting community can literally save lives. So... Um, it's a really, really thing that the uh, big thing that Ollie and I are passionate about, and we hope that um, this year is going to be bigger and better than last year. Yeah, and hats off to you two fellas as well. I know Ollie last week, like you guys speak so well, and just great people to have in our um, in our sport and in this space to be able to get that communication across. Absolutely, gents. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Thanks mate. Take care. All right, Training Talk is back. So this Training Talk segment is brought to you by Lululemon. You can support Movember by signing up for more than a run powered by Lululemon. So this Training Talk is also a listener question, um, and it's regarding pacing reps of a workout. I often find myself adjusting the pace during a rep in order to do the workout as planned and wonder if an uneven paced rep is worth the same as a um, as an uneven paced rep at the same pace. For example, running a two, 2K rep with the first K in 325 and last K in 335, making it a 330 pace um, average when the goal pace is 330. Um, is a 2K of seven minutes the same no matter how the pacing is, given that the workout, workout goes to plan and is the right intensity? It is more important to run even or longer splits uh, then, for example, a 400-metre lap. That comes from August, who's in Norway. Hmm, thanks good question. It's a good question. Who wants to go first? Sinead, you can go first. You're our guest. <laughs> Hang on. I think I have to read it again. Get your head around. So, so when, <laughs> when you did that session we spoke about earlier, you've got the pace and then you run at a feel that you think is around that pace and then don't get too obsessive on the pace. 
correct? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for you, you're like, hey, it could be 322 pace, it could be 318 pace. As long as you're in that window, you don't mind, but I would assume that you're trying to keep it even whatever pace you're running. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's good to keep it even. I think like most people would, like when you start your reps, you tend to go a little bit fast at the start and then you kind of adjust. Um, and I think it's, for me, it's definitely better to try and keep it even. Um, but say for my Tuesday sessions, if we're doing 2K reps, like I don't get a told a time to do them in. So I'll do them generally by feel. So I think if you if you start off at 325 and it, it feels good, I don't think you should necessarily slow it down to 335 just to hit the 330 pace. Hmm. What do you think? What about, though, if you run 325 for the first part, but then you sort of blow up to the point where you have to run a 335 to then, you know, and then you end up running 330, right, or yeah. averaging 330? No, that's not good because that just makes it so, that yeah. makes it so much harder. The, the, way um, I look, the way I look at it is these reps are designed to be, like I don't really use zone, you know, zone one, zone two, zone three that much, but... The whole idea of these rep, like whatever rep you're doing is designed to be in a particular intensity zone. So as long as the whole rep is within that zone, I think it's okay. What you don't want to do is go way too quick for the first part of a rep and then blow up or have to slow down. Because essentially then it becomes a fart, like it becomes a fart lack because you're going hard and then you're having to slow down and the hard bit is getting you into a completely different zone that you're not meant to be training for that session. Yeah, and these two examples that, of times are very much the same zone, like 325, mm. 335. I think you both make a good point about if you're going 325 and it feels okay and it's similar to your 330, what you've been set, roll with it, that's one thing. But if you're going 325 and then blowing to run 335 for the second K, that is a completely different thing. So yeah. you could go through that first K yeah. 325 with the brakes and go, hey, tonight's my night, it feels good. I'm still in the kind of zone, five minutes ahead of it, all good. I think it'd be different if you're going for 330 average and you go 305 and then 345. Like it's, yeah. they're yeah. kind of working different zones, different systems. Um, but, but it is, doing things even, racing, training, it's a great thing to practice um, because coming in racing, we just know that's the best way to race. So I think if you can get used to doing things even, it's a good habit to get into. Um, the question at the end there, is it more important to run even on longer splits than, for example, 400s? Yeah, 400s, see, 400s are easy to bank time early and then yeah. switch things off, but then you're probably not getting the purpose of the workout. So I think doing them is just important for the shorter stuff than the longer stuff. Yeah, because if you're going, say, 30 through the first 200 and then running 34 for the second... Um, like that 30 seconds for that first two is really going to spike that sort of lactic, especially if you're doing like lots of 400s off short recovery. And so then you, you know, you basically the second 400, you just <laughs> sort of like hanging second on. 200, yeah, yeah. Sorry, second 200, yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's going to make the recovery a bit, feel like it's shorter because you've spiked it. Mm. Um, Good question though. Good but yeah, question. try and keep things as, try and keep things as even as possible, but more so just focus on that, you know, you're in the right zone for what the session's trying to target. And the feel of it. Like we don't want to we don't want people to become obsessive with looking at their watch every ten meters so they're staying in the right zone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you don't want to be that person looking at your watch because you're trying to sit at three thirty instead of three twenty five and keep it super even. 
get to know the feeling of how workout should feel. And then, if anything, go slower. Practice it, but just go a bit slower. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Lululemon, this week's training talk partner. Sign up for more than a run via www.lululemon.com.au. Uh, all right. Moose on the loose, which is now – that's over to you, Brady. That is me. Thanks for that. He's been very ordinary the last couple of weeks too, hasn't he? Too much dog chat. Yeah. Like I'm running along and it's given me a real good insight in what the uh, what the 20,000 listeners have to put up with every week. I don't want to hear that he buys pig's ears for his dog. Like, yeah, I, I don't, don't care like, about that I don't like the dog chat either. You need to pull that off. Anyway, Croakers, so I've got, I got a couple this week, but we'll just go with the main one. Come across my desk many times over the weekend. Athletics Victoria 5K Championships coming up, I think it's is it next Thursday night, maybe the Thursday night after, out at Box Hill this year tends to be at Box Hill probably more than it's at Lakeside Stadium these days. A kind of, people don't know, overseas listeners, a real state-style event. I think, Croach, you've come down for it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Blokes like me and you, we're the kind of guys racing this event. Occasionally you get a superstar rocking up like a, um, I reckon, uh, Jeremy I race, Mo- race Mottram. Yeah, Mottram Jer- and Roffy ran Jeremy one Roth year. ran it one year. Sinead Diver I've seen go around there before. That would have been years ago, Sinead. It was at Lakeside on a windy night, I reckon, in the old South Melbourne uniform you were. Would that be right? Jeez, we pissed her off and she's Sorry, left. Sorry, again, you guys have got uh, We're just saying we think you've raced the uh, Vic 5K champs maybe five <laughs> or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I think I've raced it yeah, a couple of times um, for South Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while, though, yeah. I know, it's been a while. But the point I'm trying to make is there's not too many superstars rocking up there. It's a real kind of state-style meet um, out of Box Hill Thursday night. So I was a bit gobsmacked when I saw that this year they're charging $15 entry fee, um, which I just think is not the right way to do it. I think the people rocking up to that meet are the real diehard Athletic Victoria fans. They're the people, there's not many people rock up to this meet. I think the conversation should be, how do we get more people to come to this meet? Not how do we get people who are already there to pay $15 to get in the gate. I understand it for like Zadapec that it's a good idea to take a gate because you do have a lot of world class athletes there that night. A lot of people wearing Australian singlets earlier or later in the season. You can see in action there, but I don't think the Vic 5K is the one that we need to be charging for. Because a lot of people in the crowd there are already people dipping into their pockets, paying their AV memberships for the years. Uh, there could be a couple of parents. Um, I just think it's. I just think it was a bit off taste when I saw it during the week. Not sure what you guys thought. Croaks, have they done think? it? Have they done it previously, or is this the first year? Not in my time. I've never. Yeah, Sinead, can you ever remember fifteen bucks to get into Vic Five K Champs or any cost? Did. Do the athletes have to pay as well, oh, Brady? Sorry, like, if you I can barely hear you. So, Brady, if you enter the race, do you get? Do you have to pay the fifteen dollars to get in as well as your entry fee? I'm not sure. I, I'm not not a hundred percent sure about that. I, like, I surely yeah, not. Like, I wouldn't agree with that. Like, if you've paid to enter the race, that should include you getting into the actual ground. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that that is the case. Um, but I agree. Like, and but this has got very much. It almost feels like. You know, you see, um, and, or you hear about this a lot with school sport, you know, like parents complaining about having to pay every day to go in and watch their, you know, um, kid run at the, you know, state state all schools or national, like maybe national all schools is okay, but like state all schools having to, to pay to watch. And 
I'm, I'm guessing the um, the federations make a fair bit of money off that, so they're like, well, why not just keep it going? Yeah, but my she- my argument to that would be that a lot more staff are involved with, like there's a lot more competitors, there's a lot more events happening at a whole track and field meet. But this is, there's some graded 5Ks on. Like there's no one raking sand pits. There's no one measuring pole vault jumps, mm. anything like that. So you'd think the staff on site would be a lot smaller. They did also announce that like ON have signed a partnership with Athletics Victoria, which I thought was good. Um, I just think we're hitting the wrong people up for for money who are already, I know the people at these meets, they're already putting money into the sport. Um, and I also have got obviously a bit of compassion for the people traveling from the country. Like there's a lot of people from regional places that are already putting 80 bucks in their car for petrol there and back to go compete or watch at these events. I don't think we've got to be stinging them another 15 bucks when they go in the gate. Um, And yeah, like I would, you know, personally, if it was me, I'd be sitting there going, how do we get as many people in these stands to make this event look better on the live stream? I'd be going, can we get a connection going with Parkrun? Obviously that's 5K. Let's get that connection going. Let's access that member base. I'd be seeing if you could tee up something with little athletics. Um, You know, get some people in the audience first and kind of try and grow the product that way before hitting the 50 people that love athletics in Victoria, 15 bucks to rock up. Mm, Yeah. As you said, I think in one of our group chats, Brady, you're not, they're not targeting the people that just generally love sport and say, oh, what's on this Thursday night? Oh, the, you know, athletics Victoria 5k champs are on. Let's go down and watch that. It's, you know, it's the people that just, you know, compete regularly that are going to have to pay this or their parents, you know, so. Yeah. Like these are our big, you got to protect these people in a way. Like these are your these are your super fans who are going to the Victorian Five K Championships. So mm. they're the people that you got to say, hey, these are the people who have probably um, they've probably spent years and years of being Athletic Victorian members. They really love the sport. They're the people that listen to this podcast. They're the people that support you know guys like Moose in his store at the running company. These aren't the people you go, hey, flick is fifteen bucks. Um, so mm. yeah, I think they need to cut that that entry fee. But I'm sure like. I'm also lipping this off here and I've got no idea about what the financials are behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, just looking at that. And also, I didn't agree with the New York Marathon prize money. We kind of touched on that a bit before. But um, I just think sometimes, sometimes, how do I put this? Let's go the 40-plus example croaks. What was it? What won 40-plus? Two hours 32? 234. Maybe. 234 got how much money? $5,000 US? Three, 3000 3, I think, US. And Jess got 2500 for coming ninth in the women's race. I think we need to look at how hard is it, what's the competition, in, and then scale the prize money that way. Um, so maybe you can cut some of that veterans' prize money and pay the women who are coming ninth, 10th through the 15th. A bit like I assume the person who came 11th didn't get any prize money because they only paid down to 10th. So... No. Um, yeah, sometimes the pay scale is a bit different there. Two financial ones. I'm done. I think Sinead cut out, but she's back with us. Maybe. No. <laughs> she's had enough of us. Fair enough. Technical issues. Um, all right. So what's coming up, Brady? So you got Road to Valencia this week. Do you have a uh, Do you have a special guest? Uh, we do. Haven't told them yet, but there will be because I haven't got a week to recap, so I won't be there. But I'm going to try and get somebody racing to recap their week. 
Um, that's going to be Thursday for people on Patreon, so that should be good. Putting um, some big hay in the barn, some big workouts. Been enjoying our music as well, Croaks. We chuck yeah, a couple of songs in there every week. Yep. Um, what's, your, um, what's your big workout for this week? Yeah, so Toby Mendes coming up. He's coming to Moama. We're going to do 3x6K off 2K float. So that was his session from Moose. And a session Moose gave me for Rotterdam, which I did have in my program because I never got to do it because COVID hooked through there until I got to... Um, before I got to do that one. So we're going to do that Sunday morning. I'm teaching a bit this week. I'm in the classroom four days, which is a bit different for me, and down to Melbourne and back on Wednesday. So a bit happening. Be happy when this week's over. What about you? You got much on? Uh, no, not too much. I think Viv's going to another fashions comp on the weekend. Oh, how did she go? She's been away for like 12 days, you were saying. Yeah, so her mum made the national final um, which was, you know, for the Lexus. Um, actually, yeah, so they took – so Viv's mum came top three Melbourne Cup day, which put her through to the final on Oaks Day. Um, and Lily, Viv and her mum finished third on Saturday in the family's, um, the family's comp. Did she see Stewie there, did she say? <laughs> she did, actually. Did he was there? Yeah. yeah, so she was going through the gate and she saw Stewie and um, – he was chatting to a few people and he was, she was like, oh, should I go and say something? And then she's like, well, what do I say? Hey, I'm Croaks' wife. So then she just put, pushed the pram head down and kept, oh, kept charging by. Stewie would have been great. He would have, yeah. Sinead, we got you back. Yeah, sorry, guys. I lost you there for a bit. That's right. You were just saying just... how in a couple of weeks you're going to be going to the AV, 5K, throwing 15 bucks at the gate to get in. <laughs> I was just at that point, uh, I wanted to say something about that and then got cut off. Well, what did you want to <laughs> say? Did you well, have any, yeah, anything to say about it? Yeah, look, I, I think it's like ridiculous that they're charging $15 to view it. I mean, everyone's already paying um, their AV fees, which are quite, quite expensive, like for a year. And the sport really could do with um, more supporters. Like there's they'll be struggling to get people in to watch it as it is. So I think charging fifteen dollars $15 is just pointless. I like I don't understand why they're doing that. Um they should be trying to get more, more people into the event than trying to I don't know, make a quick buck. Yeah. And it'll actually make the event look sad if people now choose not to go because of the fifteen dollars and there's nobody yeah. actually in the crowd. Because when there's yeah, there's not usually that many there anyway. But um yeah, so, yeah. and even like, even you should just be able to flash it. Maybe they go 15 bucks, but if you're an AV member, you flash your car and you're in for free. Like, yeah. Try, sting the people who aren't AV members, who aren't already putting their hand in their pocket, 15 bucks. Something like that, if you want to charge. But yeah, I, we just need eyeballs on our sport. That would be the best way to do it. So what do you got coming up, Sinead? You got your 4x5K this week? Um, yeah, 4x5K on Friday. Yeah. And then when do, you, when do you say you head off? Uh, so I fly out on the 19th, so Saturday week. Okay. Uh, so I go to London for um, 10 days or so before flying to uh, Valencia. Alpha Very flies good. or vapor flies for race station aid? Well, so I normally wear the vapor flies, um, but the last couple of sessions I've tried the alpha flies. Um, I think I'm going to give them a go for this, mm. for this marathon. Mm. I think you should. I I reckon the after flies are a better marathon shoe. Well, that's a that's what I've been told. Um, but they're definitely I feel slower in them over the shorter stuff. Yeah. 
So don't you feel really... that? Don't you feel that pop? That pop off the off the forefoot in the alpha fly? Yeah, they do. They do feel good. But um, if I was doing a ten k or something, I'd definitely wear the vapor flies. Yeah. I just feel like I go faster in them. Um, you but got the new uh, alpha like, flies, alpha fly twos. Um, I got given a pair, but uh, they sent them to St. Moritz when I was there, and I actually put them in my bag um, with all my Com Game stuff that it was been sent back by sea, <laughs> so I haven't got it back yet. <laughs> so uh, I'm where I'm wearing the original Alpha Flies. Yeah, very good. Well. That's our show. Thank you so much, Sinead, for coming on. Um, all the best for the last few weeks of your Valencia prep. Thank you. And hopefully Pretty. we'll um, get you on, like, maybe up, maybe after Valencia, get a bit of a recap. Yeah. She'll be on road to Valencia. Well, it's there you go. When, when do you head over? I head over the Sunday the week before. Sunday night I'm flying out. Get to Madrid Monday, Monday evening. Okay. Which should be good. Catch up for a shakeout. That's what we. That's what we're saying on Road to Valencia. How hey, you're coming on the shakeout run with us? Oh yeah, cool. You'll have uh, all the coffee spots figured out by then and everything. Yeah, it's be- oh, you've been there for the world half. Beautiful spot to run. That park there is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We got all the Norwegians yeah. coming as well. There's about 450 Norwegians coming over with us. <laughs> so you'll be signing What's- autograph for days. I have to listen to Road to Valencia. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, get on there. But I'll get on to it. Bloody nerdy training talk. Um, So that's good. Thanks, Sinead. Massive uh, thank you. Monday evening, Mm 9pm, talking to us and the Inside Running (laughs) audience. So we always appreciate your time. And, yeah, good good luck in the preparation for the next few weeks. Good luck to you as well, Brady, because I don't think we'll hear hear from you till after Valencia now. Yeah, see me mid-December, I think I'm back. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to coming back. You can Keep have, you can have your job back. Hey, you're killing it. Great work. <laughs> you can have your job back. <laughs> you want me to stop this recording? Oh, I hate hosting. Hey, you're right. <laughs> Take it back, Brady. Take <laughs> it back. Lululemon supports you while you support Movember. Discover their Movember collection at lululemon.com.au. Oh, no, no.